This podcast is part of Mishmash Media. Hello, my friend. Hey, how's it going? Very good. Welcome to another episode of Curbcast. My name is Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And every week, the two of us, we get episodes of Curb Enthusiasm and we talk about every scene and we review them uh, scene by scene and in chronological order. And this week, Stephen, we are at the tail end of season five. We're going to do episode seven, The Cedar, an episode that I uh, I quite enjoyed. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it so much the first time. I felt a bit uh, similar to last week where I thought it was just okay. But upon second watch, I really enjoyed it a lot more. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to reviewing it at the end and, and uh, seeing what you really liked about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, there's lots of uh, a bit of taboo subject as well with the uh, <laughs> with Rick, the sex offender, hanging out near the children and stuff. That was a bit uh, a little bit cringe, but uh, and also I, I loved how like he's almost like grooming Larry <laughs> with his golf stuff. Yeah, I, it's like Larry was going to become like a victim. <laughs> yeah, I think so uh, wrong. Yeah, I mean he's so charming and friendly. Uh, you can't help but sort of be pulled into his orbit, you know, if he wants his. But he's not. He's not. Uh, he's not manipulative. He's just really friendly, and I guess that's how he. They don't. Yeah, really, yeah. They don't really detail what he did um, or who he did it to to become a registered sex offender. But yeah, you can you can see that he's a he's a he's got the charm needed to to do that stuff. He does, yes. <laughs> but yes, he's uh, he's back out in the community. <laughs> he is. He is. If uh, you want to get in touch with us, you can. We have an email address curbcastpod at gmail.com we're on all forms of social media as well our handle is curbcastpod uh, if you want to support us you can we have a patreon account if you go to patreon.com forward slash mishmash media for as little as a dollar a month you can support us uh, in our fledgling podcast network mishmash media and uh, if you want to support us but you want to do that non-financially you can do so by rating or reviewing us on your podcast app of choice or just spreading the word that's right. If you spread the word, and uh, it'd be great. So hopefully, not uh, not negative stuff like Rick the sex offender. That kind of bad word. But uh, any good words would be uh, fantastic. Yeah, don't don't put our photos on a flyer and distribute us around your local neighbourhood as uh, as registered sex offenders. I mean, if you <laughs> if you do, that would kind of be funny. Um, as long as it's not a neighbourhood that we you know reside close to. If it's in like another country, it's like that's fine. That's not going to affect our lives. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, if it's, <laughs> it's in fine. yeah, if it's in like Chicago or I don't know Rome, it's like yeah, go for it. Just not, just not in Australia. Just not in Australia where, where we are. That's right. And yeah. if you clutch your children as we walk past, don't worry, we're, we're fine. Yeah, I it's don't. All good. I don't think we'll ever be recognised on the street, so it's totally okay. And that's fine with me. That's perfectly fine. Indeed. <laughs> anyway, season five, episode seven, the Cedar. In this one, this was aired in the US on HBO on November thirteenth, two thousand and five. A sex offender played by Rob Corddry moves into the neighbourhood and becomes friends with Larry. Larry also suspects that Doctor Mark is stealing his newspaper after his neighbour Ethel claims that she saw him take it. Tension mounts when all these people are guests at Larry's Passover Cedar. So here we go, Stevie. Scene one. Larry is walking out of his driveway and notices his neighbours across the road taking the, the stuff out of the car. They are Ethel and Mac. Larry reluctantly asks if they need some help and they accept. He offers to take the rest of the groceries and walks to the front curb to drop the bags. The lady asks Larry if he has heard about the sex vendor that moved in nearby recently and he says that he read about it on a flyer. He mentions that uh, the man is a bald guy and he is bad for the bald community. So Rick already, uh, he, uh, despite being a, a registered sex offender, that's not the only uh, bad feather in his cap. Larry uh, Larry thinks that uh, he demonizes the bald community just for being bald. Yeah, Larry always, you know, he feels the pain on behalf of the entire bald community. So when something is bringing them down, it's a sore point for him. 
you know, he takes it's like an affront. Yeah, it is. It's it's something he takes very seriously. Anything that's shining a negative light on the ball community uh, is something he takes very very seriously, and he's he's never he's never one not to bring it up. It's always it's always a point he has to make. We haven't seen future episodes of Curb yet. This is all like the first time we're watching them. But maybe there will be an episode where he's part of like a board, you know, awareness group or a protest community or something. We'll, yeah, uh, we'll find that out. Yeah, I can imagine a bunch of ball guys, you know, marching down the street chanting for bald rights. I don't know what those rights would be, but Larry would think of something to, to protest about for sure. <laughs> He'd find something. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Larry asks if he's been getting their newspaper, if they, sorry, if they've been getting their newspaper, the neighbours, and they say yes. The lady says that someone the other day got Larry's paper and the man was wearing a suit, which confuses Larry as he heads to their front door to help with their groceries. Ethel and Max say if they see the man in the suit, then they'll recognise who it is as Ethel is very good with faces, Max says. Larry and Jeff walk out of a restaurant as he tells Jeff the man in the suit story which bewilders him. Larry asks if Jeff is coming to Cheryl's Cedar and he says that he is coming and he asks if he can take his sister and brother-in-law and his kids who happen to be in town. He reveals that the brother-in-law is a conservative and uh, in Jeff's words a big time conservative and uh, he walks off. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we find out how just how conservative the guy actually is. Like a you know, like a uh, he wears like the cap and everything. We see him later on. Jacob, uh, his name is uh, yeah, and he's uh, apparently a conservative. That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, um, I guess. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about the crossover between the Jewish community and the spectrum of politics within that community. But yeah, conservative and a Jewish person is not something you hear of. You know, it's not a common crossover, I guess, in media or movies or TV shows. It's usually, you know, they're, they're, I guess they're in some ways, there's a bit of a rivalry there, maybe, you know, without mm, getting too much yeah. into that. It just doesn't seem like they're, they're, there's not much of a Venn diagram there normally between, you know, Jewish people and conservatives in America. They seem to be very, yeah, yeah. they seem to be very like distinct communities. Yeah, he's certainly an outlier. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. Well, especially in popular, in, in media, I mean, in popular culture. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there's many Jewish people who are conservatives like, uh, like we mentioned, but uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's just very funny. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's not even a case of he's like, Jeff doesn't say he's, he's, that he's a conservative person, but that I read it or I, I interpreted it as like capital C conservative, you know, like a member of. Yes. Yes. Like a. No, no, that's what he know, means. Yeah. Republican yeah, voter. Yeah. 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 Not just, not just a conservative, like, you know, minded person, but yeah. No, no. You know, no, an no. official. No, like a, yeah. Yeah. Conservative with a big C, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So that that was a bit interesting. And uh, I think it's important to note that Larry has had a uh, colourful history with conservatives and Republicans on the show. He has, especially in uh, recent seasons with his uh, mega cap, not for uh, the reasons that you may think. Yeah, <laughs> actually, for a very good way to repel people from. Yeah, and also in the carpool lane, and I can't remember the episode title, but where he tries to join the Republican, uh, the not, golf club. The yeah, the club after they get kicked out. Yeah. yeah, exactly, like the the social club. Yeah, and then she, yeah, and then she's he's trying to get with Katie in uh, in oh, last yeah, yeah, season's yeah. finale, and uh, yeah, she has a picture of George W. Bush on her uh, on her stand. So yeah, and he that's a, yeah, and he completely um yeah he loses his chance to have sex for free basically or guilt free. <laughs> yeah, guilt free. Yeah, because it's all part of the uh, all part of the anniversary gift which That's... it's ambiguous like i think yeah well not to get too much into it but i i, I assume that he was going to get it after the, the theater but you reckon he never got it so it, it's open-ended yeah but anyway <laughs> that's for a sure. conversation for another day yeah you can I... go back and watch opening night or you can go back and listen to our episode yeah night. 
totally, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think it's fair to say that Larry's got a not a very successful past with uh, conservatives and Republicans. They seem to be just oil and water. Oh, yeah, they just don't go together. No. <laughs> One's on top of the other. Exactly. Larry goes to get a newspaper from the machine, the, the coin machine, and uh, the door is stuck and he's unable to get it. The sex offender walks up to him. His name is Rick. He walks up to offer him help as he opens the door for Larry. Larry thanks him as Rick asks if he is Larry David and he says that he is a huge Seinfeld fan and he says in his words, probably the biggest fan of all time. And uh, he says his favourite episode is The Puffy Shirt, which Larry says is his favourite as they talk about how Larry came up with ideas for the episode, including the low talker. They seem to be getting along very well as Rick... Uh, introduces his himself like his name so we, we find out his name later on so yeah puffy shirt uh that's actually an episode that was featured in season four as well when larry was watching it and they had the uh friend that would call after every episode so uh, yeah puffy shirt has a has quite a place in the curb universe yeah and i mean it, i guess it is considered a classic amongst seinfeld fans and the show itself so it makes sense that it comes up often uh, on Curb, it's you know, it's it's usually one of the episodes that you would see in a list of top ten or twenty best Seinfeld episodes. The Puffy Shirt often makes it in those lists. I think it was when we did Bidwabask, our old Seinfeld podcast. I think it was like in my top five. Yeah, cool. I don't think it was in my top five or ten, but I remember it ranking very highly for you. Yeah, yeah, no, it was really, really good, really, really good episode. And yeah, we we see Rick. I mean, he seems like a normal guy, but uh, he uh, yeah, he's almost like probably a, a reformed sex offender. But uh, that past still lingers with him yeah and i mean you can be you can be a nice friendly person with a dark you know or um unsavory part of your personality you know and he just seems very friendly and very nice but you know obviously he's made some mistakes or has uh you know some compulsions that he can't keep control of or hasn't been able to um it's not really indicated whether it's something he still struggles with or if it's just something he did in the past once um it's kind of vague which i think is a good thing if they keep it vague because it's like you know you don't want to get too specific about Mm. sex crimes it's a bit you know even for curb that's a bit a bit dark you know yeah, yeah, that wouldn't go that far. No, no, no. I think I think just I think just making him a registered sex offender and that fact alone makes everyone else uncomfortable is far enough. You know, it's it's um it's taboo enough to get a lot of comedy out of, but if they were actually specific about what he did or, you know, what type of person he did it to, it would just be a bit too uh you know, yeah, even for curb, which can which can go down to some, you know, pretty dark you know, it can get into some pretty dark places. But if that was specific, it, yeah, it would just yeah. be it would just be like cringy and just it would just take away from the episode. Yeah, and I think as well, like if we found out that his crime was like extremely sinister, as in like say involving kids or something yeah i think it would leave a bad taste in viewers mouths if larry befriended him i think that would be like it almost go into like black comedy you know dark comedy kind of territory like if curb isn't really like like it's got some dark comedy in it but it's not like really black like dark humor i think that would really go too like too macabre yeah totally it just wouldn't just wouldn't sit well with i think just the show um, as it is, and just fans as well. It just it wouldn't feel right. It wouldn't feel right, no. no. So that, it's good that they left it ambiguous, open-ended, yeah. Totally. One thing I wanted to ask you before we get to the next scene was, I can't recall any specific scenes uh, in episodes, but Larry being Larry in the show, obviously being famous in LA, he gets a lot of uh, people saying, you know, that they love Seinfeld, and he sometimes uses the fact that he's the creator of Seinfeld to his advantage, you know, to try and skip a line or get a reservation at a restaurant, or, you know, he tries to, to leverage that occasionally. But he's not 
not often he's not often very friendly when people say that they're fans. You know, he's not he's not rude, but he's not he's he's usually a bit dismissive and just sort of polite enough. But in this, he was really stoked that Rick told him how much of a fan he was. I just thought it was interesting that he reacted differently to you know a total stranger expressing his love for the show. You know, well, I think you made a good point at the start of the episode where Rick has a charming personality, so maybe yeah. uh, maybe the charm rubbed off on him. But yeah, you're right. I think I think Larry gets that all the time. He's like, oh, I love Seinfeld. He's like, oh, cool. You're like the five millionth person who's told me this. Thing. Yeah, like he's like, never. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, he's never. Yeah. He's never dismissive of people who said that they love the show. Like he's always got a basic level of politeness, but he's never enthusiastic about it. Whereas with Rick, he's really, really stoked. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess it just comes down to Rick being, um, you know, just having that extra level of charm that most people don't. Yeah, and that's what makes it. Uh, that's what makes it fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Back at home, Cheryl is preparing food for the Cedar for tomorrow night. As Larry is complimenting her for her Jewish cuisine, and she says, "Imagine if my mother could see this." <laughs> and Cheryl, I love when Cheryl's like, "If my mother saw this, she'd, you know, get upset." <laughs> yeah, I think I was going to say, yeah, like Cheryl, I. I can't remember where she comes from specifically. Is it somewhere? Is it like Texas or? I thought it was Florida or something. Florida. Oh, yeah. Know. No, no, no. It is Florida. Oh, no, no. No. Yeah. I think it might have been Florida. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, she's like, like, she's like wasp. She comes from like a wasp background. Yeah. Like a southern, so. like a southern wasp background, though. Not like a northeast wasp. No, no, no. Not, yeah. not like Boston or anything. No, no. No, no, no. Um, I, but um, I think it's, I think it really says a lot when she said, when she's making that, the, I think she's talking about the drink that she's making like the the Jewish drink. I can't remember what it's called, but she's, yeah. she says, oh, it's really similar to ambrosia. And I know ambrosia yes, is a traditional yes. old school kind of Southern, I guess it's like a punch or something. I, I, I'm not exactly mm-hmm. sure. Um, With but like I, some fruit and, and jellies and all yeah, that. Like yeah. Yeah. I think it's Very like, 70s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, totally. So I thought, I thought the fact that she, uh, when she mentioned that her mother would be uh, very upset and the fact that it's like ambrosia, I think that is very telling of, I guess, her cultural background. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the southern, the southern wasp, <laughs> southern wasp charm. Yeah, and and sort of an implied anti-Semitism streak in her parents. Yeah, yeah, anything like against the grain is is not good. No, it's like very, very orthodox. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Almost. Yeah. yeah. She says that a couple of friends of theirs, Mark and Marla, got back together and that they're coming tomorrow to the Cedar. Larry says that Mark was about to be gifted a New York Times subscription by uh, two from Larry, I should say, before he broke up with Marla. And he had the subscription and realized not to worry about gifting it to him as they broke up. And Cheryl's like, why did you do that? You should have just gifted him the thing. And then Larry says something on the lines of, but they were breaking up anyway. Well, what was the point? <laughs> Yeah, I kind of, I kind of understand that in a way. Like, you know, if you're not going to see this, you know, if you're not going to see this person again because they broke up, then a gift seems less, less important. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess because they're Cheryl's friends. So. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think if the situation, if I was in Larry's situation, if I'd already gotten them the gift, uh, I would probably still give it. But if I was planning to get someone a gift and then they broke up and I hadn't actually bought it yet, I'd probably just abandon it. You know. But if I'd actually bought the gift, I'd say, well, I've already bought it. I've already paid for it. I'll give it now. anyway. You might as well give it to him. Yeah. 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 No, that, that's that's the thing. I think. Larry the fact that Larry already had the subscription yeah. and then they broke up, he's just like, oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, if it was just something he was going to do but he hadn't done it yet and then he was like, well, there's no point now because we're never going to see him again, most likely, then I, I would get it. Mm. But, yeah, the fact that he had it but still didn't give it to him, it's, yeah, I can understand why Cheryl's a bit uh, a bit miffed about it. Yeah, it's a shit move. Yeah, I mean, totally. <laughs> and it's like, what is Larry doesn't need it. He's already got a newspaper subscription. 
<laughs> and exactly. And Larry, speaking of newspaper subscriptions, he goes uh, all paranoid and he thinks that Mark may have taken the newspapers at the front of their house, <laughs> which are going missing every day. <laughs> and that moving in back in with Marla could be linked with the papers as he moved back in with her around the same time that the papers began to go missing. So he's uh, he's starting with the conspiracies. Yeah, look, as far as Larry's conspiracies go, it's fairly sound. It's not it's not the biggest it it, it's yeah. not the biggest leap to make. You know, some of his some of his uh, conspiracy theories and and uh, you know his paranoid ideas are a bit outlandish or you know a bit of a stretch. But this one's not. You know, it's it's it, obviously it's still unfounded at this point. But I don't think it was the biggest leap in logic. No, no, it, it makes sense. And uh, yeah, Mark, you know, found out that he wasn't going to get given the subscription. I could imagine Larry, you know, who probably talked to him saying, "Look, I got the subscription, but you're not with Marla, so I can't give it to you." And Mark's like, "What? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard." Yeah. What are you talking about? So he's kind of yeah. It makes sense that Mark has a bit of a motive to uh, to take Larry's papers. It's kind of like a, a vendetta. Yeah. As far as Larry's conspiracies go, I think it has it has more legs than most. Mm. Actually, I have a theory about that. When we get to the the final scene, I'll. I'll I'll tell you my theory about Mark and the papers. <laughs> it's not as uh, clear cut as uh, as it's revealed to be at the end. But anyway, when we get there, Larry suggests that to invite Ethel and Mac, the neighbors uh, across the road to the cedar. And Cheryl says that Larry doesn't like them. So why would they invite, you know, why would uh, he invite Ethel and Mac to the cedar? And he's like, oh, they need somewhere to be, yeah. places to go. So why not? Let's, let's bring him in. Yeah, Larry's just... very inclusive. Yeah, but Larry, it's kind of just... Larry's just gathering all the odds and ends of the neighborhood and bringing them together. Like, oh, well, you know, they've got nowhere else to be. That'll do. You know, it's it's not um it's not like an enthusiastic, yeah, come on over and it'll be great. It's more just like, well, why not? You know, it's, it's sort of like, you know, his attitude is, well, I may as well. Yeah, he may as well. Well, he's certainly going to have all the uh, interesting people at the party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the cedar, isn't he? <laughs> maybe maybe he... um. Yeah, maybe for him it's like, you know, I'll invite all these random people over and, you know, maybe something will happen, you know, just as a bit of a entertainment. Bit of entertainment, but yeah. Or maybe like Larry can be quite hospitable when he wants to be. So maybe he That's just, true. he notices like weirdos or people who are a bit odd and thinks, oh, you know, they probably need somewhere just to come for the night. So, you know, for dinner. So let's, uh, let's bring him over. Yeah. Larry's definitely more generous than normal in this episode and a lot more open-minded and just a lot more pleasant. He just seems a lot more like easygoing and sort of happy-go-lucky in this episode. Yeah. He, he even invites a sex offender. Yeah. Yeah. That's how uh, happy-go-lucky he feels. Yeah, he just seems a bit more relaxed and easygoing in this episode. It's um, He's not as, like, tense or, or um, paranoid or just grumpy. He's just... And and just, yeah. yeah, he's just, you know, obviously he must have had like a good week or something leading up to this few days that this episode covers because he's just, you know, he seems to have a spring in his step that he normally doesn't. Yeah. And the only issue that he has at this point is the fact that his papers are going missing. So that's not like, like it's a shitty thing, but it's not like oh. a life changing event. So yeah, he's definitely had a, had a really good week and it's a nice refreshing change to see Larry more lighthearted. And even like later in the episode, he mocks people at the Cedar and, uh, yeah. you know, kind of teases them a bit and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's good. He's not like all angry and yeah, the fiery world, like he normally is. Yeah, the world isn't yeah. shitting on, the world isn't like shitting on Larry in this episode. It's just, it's just, um you know, a couple of little, little inconveniences like a missing paper, but normally it's the, it's way worse for him. Oh yeah, a lot worse. <laughs> so it's a nice, nice change to the normal. Yeah, like he's still he's still got a little challenge to overcome or a little problem to solve, but it's not um yeah, it's not it's not going to jeopardize a friendship or make someone feel absolutely horrible or you know, it, the stakes are pretty low for him in this one. Yeah, yeah, which is good. It's actually the other people that are all uh, being silly. Yeah, I think one. I think we've mentioned a few times that, you know, the occasional episode where Larry tends to come out on top, you know, he tends to have more wins than losses can be a nice change of pace and I feel like this one this episode is one of those ones. Yeah, certainly needed it. 
Yeah, totally. Larry is carrying groceries to his car as Rick turns up. Rick just happens to be there. It's, it, it's a loving curb how randoms just turn up in the most odd places. Yeah. It's like in a car park. Rick just turns up. It's like, eh, that's been done many times on curb. It's like a person that's been in a previous scene happens to be in the same area. It's just, it's- yeah, totally. I'm instantly reminded of, uh, again, I can't remember the title of the episode, but where Wanda shows up two or three times and uh, Larry's caught out being, it's implied that he's being racist, even though he's not. And you know oh, she, yeah, she yeah, just yeah. she just happens to wander into the situation, or just after it happens, I think three, two, <laughs> at least two, maybe three times twice, in that episode. Twice. Yeah, one Wanda with, does one, wander in. I see what you did there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Once with, I think once with the valet, you know, where he mistakes the the African American man as the valet, and then. Uh, I think. Oh yeah, when he, he, when, he, when he, the, he when goes the, to lock his car when yeah. the black man drives. Yeah, starts. and and both like, times like yeah, so it looks like he's going to steal the car, but he's not. Obviously. Yeah, and both times Wanda yeah. just rocks up, and you know it's it's inconvenient for Larry or unfortunate for Larry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in a bad spot. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> and he wonders why Wanda is like that. Yeah. <laughs> Larry says to Rick that he didn't get a uh, shopping cart as he had to go down a hill to get to the car and he's worried for insurance and stuff he might accidentally let go of the trolley and hit someone's car and especially at his age by then by that stage he's like in his what late 50s early 60s so yeah. he's not as uh, spry as he used to be so maybe he has to uh, be a bit careful so he carries he carries the grocery bags under his arms <laughs> in the car yeah being being extra mm. careful uh, you know sometimes yeah. good thing indeed Rick spots a golf club in Larry's trunk. Rick says that he loves golf. And uh, Larry's like, oh, you play golf? He goes, it's just like, what does he say? It's like drinking water or breathing air. He goes, I breathe air or I drink water and I, I play golf. Yeah. It's just basically like a part of him. Yeah. yeah, he's like, oh, you play golf, do you? And he goes, yeah, and I also drink water and breathe. And they have a bit of a chuckle. It's like a nice little, uh, you know, it's like a nice little bonding moment between them. And then uh, and does. then I th- and then to like add the cherry on top of the joke is like in that order too. And they're like, oh, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, actually, it. it's actually kind of sweet and cute that they're just bonding over this like wholesome little joke about how much they love golf. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like uh, the chums that they would never wear. Yeah, it's just, I think even Cheryl says a bit later, I mean, talk about it in the next scene, but she actually says it's cute that you made a little friend. You know, so Larry like Larry, Larry just seems really, I don't know, he's just like, I really like this guy and I want to be his friend. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's got this sweet, obviously he's a sex offender. So it's not entirely. Yeah, well, obviously at entirely, the time when Cheryl says it, she doesn't know that, that he's no. a sex offender. No, no, uh, but yeah. it's just, but just you know, if you if you if you take the sex offender aspect out of it, just their instant bond and uh, you know just how easy going they are with each other and how you know how much they like each other is is just kind of sweet for uh, for for Curb. Yeah, yeah, for Curb. Yeah, <laughs> Larry actually has almost like a genuine friend. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and it's not. I mean, it's, Jeff it's, and Richard are his friends too, but they give each other oh, shit. Yeah, but there's a lot of complications there and a lot of like bullshit and a lot of drama. Whereas this so far is just very, you know, just very easy, except, very easy, ex- yeah. except for the sex offender part. <laughs> no, definitely not. Rick says that he loves golf and he offers to help Larry with his golf swing as he has a sex dungeon in his yard. I mean, uh, an elaborate golfing setup in his yard. Yes, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, he actually has a, like a driving range thing set up in his yard. It's quite elaborate. In the next scene, uh, we, we see it. He asks if Larry would like to go over now to check it out. And Larry accepts and reluctantly allows Rick to get in his car as uh, Rick doesn't drive. <laughs> so Larry's like, all right, how are we going to get there? And Rick's like, oh, I don't have a car. And Larry's kind of like, oh, I've got to drop him home. Okay. That's a bit annoying. Yeah. And Larry, Larry's, <laughs> all, Larry's also confused as to, well, how did you get here? Like, are you following? I kind of, I've kind of got the, the idea that maybe Larry thought like, did you follow me over? Cause you're a fan of Seinfeld. Like, like what yeah. we, he's just puzzled as to why, how we would have ran into him without a car. Cause they, obviously they were, yeah. you know, it's not like they were 
two blocks away from the house. They were 10, 15 minutes, I guess, away. Larry, just I think a bit what this puzzled. episode tries... Oh, Larry's a bit puzzled, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think this episode's trying to set up like Larry to be like a victim. Like, I think I think the, the idea of the writing, I'm, I'm not too sure, but it feels like that Larry's meant to be like the groomed one. So like yeah. saying, oh, I love Seinfeld. Oh, I like golf too. I actually have a golf thing in my yard. Do you want to come over? You know, just yeah. like, I won't go into too much detail about, about you know, sex offenders, but they kind of use things that the victim likes to kind of lure them in. <laughs> yeah, and I think totally. the fact that Larry thinks I'm going to be in a, in a car with a sex offender on my own, mm. you know, that's a bit a bit sus. That's he's probably a bit worried. Yeah, no, that's, that's yeah. I mean, that's obviously what they're going for. That is, you know, he's slowly like drawing him in just by being nice and, you know, oh, I like that too. Yeah, let's let's go hang out at my place. But um, yeah. I mean, yeah, Larry's being Larry's being groomed. He also wants to go along with it, and he's also aware. It's not like he's a he does, you know, he like does, he's a yeah. he's a sixty year old man. He's not like a an innocent child or you know, like a clueless person. He knows what's going on, but he's just like, well, this guy seems nice and he likes golf, so I'll go along with this. Yeah, <laughs> even even Larry has his hesitations at times. You know, he, he's thinking, well, should I put him in my car? It's like, yeah, even even he's a bit reluctant. And yeah, he he, he uh, accepts eventually. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Funny. his um yeah his desire <laughs> his desire to play golf in a backyard you know over over overrides his reluctance <laughs> yes it does larry is at rick's house trying out his setup and he does a good uh, driving like swing uh, with golf and he celebrates oh, i don't know what it's called i don't play golf um larry watches back on the video of the swing oh i forgot to mention that rick likes to take videos yeah oh jeez as soon as i saw that he's like oh i like to record it too and i'm like oh <laughs> i see what you're trying to do yeah <laughs> i was like shit rick <laughs> it, it kind of probably it, it, it's probably referencing like what he actually kind of yeah did <laughs> to yeah. get charged yeah. and go to jail it's like oh yeah god yeah, yeah. okay anyway <laughs> i just as soon as i saw the camera i was just like i actually gasped i was like ah. yeah <laughs> It's like you lure people to your house and you videotape them. Yeah, it? it's a it's a it's a very thinly veiled reference to what's really going on. Indeed, and what he what he may have done in his past. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Larry gets his sweater to leave as Rick asks what he is doing for Passover. Uh, Larry thinks for a bit and offers to invite Rick to the cedar. Rick declines at first, but then accepts as Larry walks off. And uh, Larry, again, like I mentioned, Larry, like he did before, Larry walks off and he's kind of thinking, is this the right thing to do? Like as he walks off, you can kind of see him like thinking. He's like, mm. Mm, is this a good idea to, to invite him? I'm not sure. But yeah. he, he, you know, offers Rick at first, says no, but then he says yes, basically right away. So, yeah. <laughs> so that uh, Rick is the the spanner uh, the uh, that gets thrown in. So that'll be he's uh, a literal. Yeah. He's almost like a spanner in the works. Yeah, totally. So he just, he's a cat, a cat amongst the pigeons, I should say. He just gets thrown uh, straight in. Yeah, totally. And I think Larry hell, knows. Hell breaks I, loose. Yeah, and I think Larry knows that obviously it's going to be controversial and it's going to make everyone there uncomfortable. But I don't know. It's almost like a. That's why I think maybe Larry is just saying, you know, even though he seems to genuinely like Rick and he seems to also genuinely want to include Rick because Rick doesn't have a, have uh, any other place to go you know it, it it seems like it seems like he's being invited out of like a genuine you know larry wants him to be there but there's also i'm sensing this like larry is also doing it just for like some weird entertainment like let's i want to bring this sex offender over to it like you know my family and friends just to see you know just <laughs> just to, yeah just to fuck with people or just as like a form of weird entertainment just to be like a, an observer to you know the chaos that may or may not ensue because he know, you know over that way yeah i mean <laughs> it, like that might be totally off and nothing he doesn't say or do anything specifically to to do that but i thought well like why else would he do it like larry knows that this is obviously going to be a controversial thing like and larry you know larry can be a bit twisted from time to time so 
I just think he's just off in his own world. Yeah. He doesn't even realize the consequences of bringing a sex offender, especially because there's going to be a few children there as well. Yeah. So I think he just doesn't read the room. Oh, I think, I think even for Larry, like bringing a sex offender over to a, to a sacred holiday full of children and, and family, like I don't think even that situation would escape Larry's lack of awareness, you know, like that. But he's, is he that dark? Is he that sinister? He'd ring a sex offender. Well, I mean, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think he would do it. I don't think he thinks that it's putting anyone in actual danger, like, you know, actual, I think it's more just, I'm just going to take this person and throw him into this like wholesome tradition, you know, this situation. But I like maybe actually, maybe it is a bit too dark. Maybe it is a bit too dark. I don't know, but it's just something that crossed my mind. Yeah. I mean, that would be pretty bad even for Larry David. Like, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, but that's an interesting theory, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I don't think that's what they were trying to go for. I I just feel like the, the, the fact is that Larry, like I said, Larry is like the victim of sorts, like the groomer, the groomy. And uh, yeah, he's just kind of, he's, he's kind of fallen for uh, Rick's charms. And you know, the fact, even though he's thinking to himself, oh, he's a sex offender, I better not. I I might invite him anyway. Not just because he's, not because he's a sex offender, but because he's actually a really nice guy. That's really all it is. doesn't matter what he did in his past. That's the way I saw it. I'm sure um, your theory stands up too, but I'm like, I'm just thinking like, could Larry be like that? Oh, could he like really throw a cat amongst the pigeons? It's like, Ooh, I don't, I don't know. I think even for Larry, that's a bit too much. Yeah, that's true. Um, Actually, no, no, you've you've talked me out of that theory. It's just it's okay. too tw- it's too twisted even for Larry to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. But I love when we like doing this podcast. We like just you know neurons fire in our brains and we come up with ideas on the spot. It's uh, yeah, it's good. It's good to just put it out there. But yeah, okay. I, I I have to disagree with your theory on that. One. No, no, that's Actually, that's I, fair. I, I agree I, with I, a lot of what you say, but not not in this case. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I I disagree with myself, so it's fine. Okay, you've cancelled yourself. Good. I have. <laughs> Cancelled. That's it. I'm un- it's going to uncan- be a one, one man uh, Coopcast show. <laughs> I'm, unca- I'm uncancelable. You have to have an audience right. to be cancelled. At the Cedar uh, the following night, the crowd are chatting and having a good time. There's probably about 10 people. Like, you know, it's not, not a huge thing, but you know, there's a few people and kids and stuff as well. It's a, yeah. you know, it's a nice, 10, nice gathering. 10 to 15 people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not, not, not I thought it was going to be like a big soiree or something, but no, no, not, not, not in the slightest. It's nice and intimate. Larry is talking to Jacob, who is Jeff's conservative brother in law. <laughs> I actually didn't. I actually like Jacob. And he says that he has a theory that every 77 years, America has a good president. Yeah. It was like, first, of, what was it? Abraham Lincoln. And then 77 years later was uh, Franklin. No, was it, was, it was George. It was George Washington. Then George Washington. Lincoln. And then FDR, Franklin D, uh, Dino Roosevelt. And then now George right. W. And he's like, you know, George Bush, we're turning the world around. And I'm like, oh, I think I think history is going to disprove your George Bush Great president, seventy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, he, I know, uh, he was certainly involved with changing the world. That's true. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, changing maybe. parts of the world. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And especially he, in the Middle East. He yeah, he uh, was a part of that. Yeah, no, that's very true. Actually, he's heavily involved in the um, the reconstruction, or you know, the uh, the engineering of a lot of uh, of a lot of buildings. Yeah, but I guess you know, being a Republican um, or being a conservative uh, makes sense that Rick is a um oh, sorry not rick not rick no not quite no jacob jacob sorry is a you know is a fan of w jacob jacob yeah jacob jacob isn't as sinister as rick he's a, no I mean, a bit of a dick but he's not like a sex offender so oh no no, no no and yeah another another reference to george bush steve we did like i said we did see an opening night with uh, katie huffman she had a picture of george bush on her uh, nightstand or her her uh, her makeup stand in the theater so uh yeah another reference to george bush yeah, it really, it really, um, you know, it really dates the episode. You know, it, it puts it in a certain time that George Bush was. When was this? Two thousand five. So he was. This episode came out in five. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this was like, like first, yeah, this is this year. is during George's uh, second term. Yeah. Yeah, like first year of his second term, halfway through his, you know, full run as president. You know, sort of at the height of his power, I guess, and the height of American power at this time. 
it uh, you know it really puts you in a in a certain time and place. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it's very uh, very dated, and we'll probably be watching these in like forty years time, thinking, "Wow, George Bush, that's like talking about uh, JFK or yeah. <laughs> Lyndon Johnson or something." Just a or memory. Jimmy Carter. It's like, well, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you really old? Yeah. The fact that he says that every 77 years, yeah, George W. Bush uh, is is the next best great hope of, of America. And Larry's kind of like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. And I, I love I love how Larry uses the, the hand motion to Jeff to indicate that Jacob's a bit iffy, you know, like the so-so. Yeah. Yeah, they look at each yeah, other like, oh, that. I don't know about this guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a bit iffy, a bit yeah. iffy. And uh, Larry does the hand signal to Jeff as Jacob walks off and, uh, yeah. Jeff uh, does the same thing. Larry talks to Dr. Mark and uh, he says that he's happy that he is back with Marla. Larry asked if Mark gets aroused at naked women as he is a cosmetic surgeon. And uh, Mark says no, as that is very unprofessional. And that's uh, not an appropriate comment. <laughs> he, he says that the comment is very inappropriate. And he goes, yes, even though I do see many naked women, I don't, uh, I'm never, no, that thought never crossed my mind, which is a nice thing. Yeah, it's all clinical. It's all professional. Clinical. Of course. Larry asks Mark as well if he's been stealing the newspaper and Mark says that's another inappropriate question (laughs) and he gets mildly offended and Larry gives him uh, his trademark stare down for about 30 seconds. Mark returns the favour and then Larry says, you know, after 30 seconds, okay, and then walks off. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's not convinced, but he's happy to leave it at that for now. And uh, Mark also, you know, he, he he says like as a doctor. I think he mentions that he's a doctor twice. He's like, I'm a doctor. I wouldn't do that. You know, he's he. I think he thinks that. I mean, being a doctor is a highly esteemed job, but I think he he gets a lot of uh, self confidence from that. You know, I wouldn't do that. I'm a doctor. Yeah, I'm a doctor. I I, I hold myself in high regard. Yeah, I'm, I'm above that. I wouldn't steal newspapers. But like I said, I have a theory at the end of the episode, which I'll run by you and uh, you tell me what you think right. <laughs> about Mark. He's not all that it's cracked up to be, I'm afraid, in my opinion. Jeff asks Larry what he thinks of Jacob and Susie comes up as well. And he agrees with Jeff that he is a piece of work. Larry answers the door and Rick arrives with uh, Jewish food. I forgot the name of the cuisine. As the crowd look on in shock, because obviously everyone has seen the flyer with his... Uh, his mug on it and his name. <laughs> so uh, everyone knows who Rick is and what he is, well, what kind of crimes he has done in the past. Larry compliments Rick for helping change his life, as in uh, with his golf swing, as he introduces Rick's to other people. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's meeting certain people. And uh, I love how um, <laughs> he meets Jeff and Susie, and Susie's clutching Sammy, their daughter. Yeah. <laughs> he's like just holding onto her, and he just, he won't even like shake her hand or anything. I mean, she won't even shake his hand or anything. She's like, ah, nice to meet you. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, like Susie, Susie is, um, I think we've agreed in the past that she's a bit uh, overprotective of Sammy. But in this she's case- She's a helicopter parent, yeah. Yeah, but in this case, it's perfectly fine. Oh, absolutely, yeah, of course. Yeah. If, if, if you knew the, the details of what he did, yeah, you'd, uh, you'd do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I'd clutch the next child, you know, a child next to me if I saw a sex offender walk in the room. Yeah. Even if it wasn't my kid, I'd be like, oh, leave him yeah. alone. <laughs> Don't yeah, got him. Got to protect the kids. Mm-hmm. Somebody think of the children, as uh, <laughs> Reverend Lovejoy's wife once said. Helen Lovejoy. Helen, that's right. What does somebody think of the children? <laughs> <laughs> Classic line. Susie grabs Larry as Rick is meeting other people with uh, children, <laughs> and uh, he asks why he brought Rick to the cedar. Larry defends him, and he says he's a very good guy. The doorbell rings again, and it's the neighbors Ethel and Mac from before, and they turn up. Uh, Mac complains about all the people parking in his driveway and Larry says he'll get people to move but then he says to them you just walked across the road you're not driving anywhere are you and he goes no 
And he goes, oh, that's fine. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll get people to move later. And then uh, Mac comes around. Larry asks uh, Ethel, because apparently she's pretty good with faces, if she recognizes anyone in the room. And as she looks around, she looks at Rick and goes into shock and faints. <laughs> so she remembers that flyer. Mm. Tell me if you think this is an appropriate question. Huh? And I mean no disrespect. Have you been stealing my newspaper? Larry. Yes, that is an inappropriate okay, question. So that's two inappropriate questions. But have you I have not been curious? stealing your newspaper, Larry. That's appalling. Really? Yeah, really, Larry. Some of the guys are carrying Ethel into a spare bedroom and they put her on the bed as Mark checks her pulse. Max says that this happens sometimes and uh, she'll be out for a couple of hours and not to worry too much about it. As everyone else leaves, Larry stays to try and wake her up by clapping and doing a few other things with no success. <laughs> Nothing at all. Yeah, I think, I think um, yeah, he, he wants her to stay passed out so that she doesn't cause any ruckus downstairs. So he's just like double checking that she's not, not oh. faking it. Yeah, I, th- I think she, I think. Oh, no, not, not just that as well. Like on top of that as well. No, Larry wants her awake because uh, she's good with faces and she's seen the guy who's stolen the newspapers. So, uh, oh. you know, how Larry suspects Mark stole the papers. So all Ethel yeah. needs to do is look at his face and go, yeah, that's the guy. So that's oh. why, that's why he's like, wake- oh, no, in addition to that as well, he wants to, he wants to, he wants her awake. Yeah. <laughs> so she can recognize right. it. And probably in two hours, by the time she wakes up, the party will be over. So true. He's got like a he's got a, a small window of opportunity to to get this done. No, that's true. Yep, I'm all over the shop in this episode, aren't I? Oh, well, you've you've been uh, very busy, my friend, <laughs> with some <laughs> stuff in your, in your life. So that's that's perfectly fine. <laughs> the Cedar are reciting Jewish passengers passages, sorry, and uh, they have a toast to celebrate. Larry says that he's hiding a, um, a, a matzah. I I didn't Google what that was. Matzah. It's a it's a Jewish dessert. Matzah balls. Oh, matzah balls. Oh oh yeah, I've heard of matzah balls. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Larry says that he's going to be hiding matzo balls for the kids to go find and if they find them he'll give each one one dollar one dollar note larry goes to hide them around the house he goes to the hallway and he's putting them into uh, like a drawer like a dresser uh, in the hallway mac uh, sorry not mac jacob uh walks out of the guest bathroom he looks at larry and he stares him down for a little bit for about 10 seconds as he walks off larry says to the children they can go find the matzo balls larry goes back on the table and mac just says casually or ask larry if uh, he found the guy who's stealing his newspapers and larry explains what happens uh, mark begins coughing as mac says that ethel when she wakes up will recognize the thief when she sees him next time because of her photographic memory so we see here it's not confirmed but uh, we see here that Mark, uh, you know, he, he hears that someone's stealing Larry's papers and Larry thinks he's the prime suspect. And uh, you, you think that Mark is probably the one that did it. He, uh, he starts coughing after hearing it. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's guilty. It's, yeah, it's, I guess it's implied or it's indicated that he's got a guilty conscience. Yeah, he does, yes. And uh, he's, he's feeling guilty, even though he's, he's supposedly all high and mighty. He doesn't want to admit that he'll do something as low as stealing someone's paper. Yeah, he's feeling... He doesn't want to be outed and be embarrassed in front of everyone. Because everyone of seems course. to... Everyone seems to hold him in the same esteem that he holds himself in. So, yeah, I think he's doing anything he can to, you know, he, he the last thing he would want is to be identified as the newspaper thief. Yeah, someone so highly esteemed doing something so lowly. That wouldn't yeah. be good for your rep. Yeah. No, definitely not. Larry gets the children out of the room that Ethel is in as he is trying to wake her up so she can he can oh, sorry that she can confirm that Mark is the thief. And uh, once again, no success. He tries he even tries using like what Jamaican drums or African drums. <laughs> he, yeah. he just happens to have like these random like tribal drums in his yeah. room. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's, what the hell? It's weird. <laughs> yeah, it was just like odd. It's like oh, okay, cool. He's, he's trying everything with no success. <laughs> 
<laughs> Larry goes downstairs and says Ethel, Ethel should come around soon. And Max says, asks why he's making so much noise up there. Mark checks his pager and says he has to go to the hospital due to an emergency. And Larry says he didn't hear his pager. <laughs> As uh, Mark is about to leave, he's like, oh, no, I, I have it on silent. <laughs> you can't hear it. One of the kids finds a matzo ball, and that's uh, J- one of J- Jacob's children, his son. And Larry uh, goes to talk to Mark, who is at the front door. Larry says that he doesn't believe Mark, and he accuses him of stealing his paper and tries to probe him for it, as Mark says he has emergency surgery to do, and he walks out. As Larry's about to go back to the dining room, Rick goes to talk to Larry, and he says that he's in a he has a moral quandary. Uh, Rick says that, and you think you think that maybe Rick is admitting he's going to admit to like he's got urges, or you know maybe being around children makes him a bit weird you know you think maybe it's that, it's that kind of thing and you think oh okay maybe he's maybe he's gonna do the right thing and just walk out the door uh <laughs> which is probably the best thing to do uh no 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 he, the quandary is that he saw uh jacob's father tell him where the matzo was and larry says that this makes sense as he saw jacob come out of the bathroom where he put the matzo and uh he saw where larry put it away so there you go so at first we think that yeah rick maybe uh, is atoning or he's thinking he better get out <laughs> so nothing complicated happens but uh, no his quandary is he saw uh he saw uh jacob tell his son where it is yeah the way the way it's set up is that yeah you think he's going to confess to some you know horrible situation thought. or thought yeah. or urge or something but uh yeah it's something i mean even though you know it's serious enough that you know it's relevant to what's going on but it's not a big confession that you think it's going to happen uh, you know that you think it's yeah. going to be but i love how it's like a big build-up and then leave yeah. larry's like oh shit what's he gonna say yeah <laughs> and, even, larry- and even as the audience we're watching him we're like oh my god what's, what's he gonna say yeah but even larry- then, i think i think even that would be too dark like if you said to- something like that totally yeah and larry yeah and that because that gets a bit too specific you know they've got to keep it very vague yes. about you know what what crimes is committed larry actually says like i'm not the right person to talk you know you need to talk to a therapist like so larry Larry's even expecting him to um, confess, you know, or admit something about relevant to his his past. Yes, or something that that he's feeling in this moment. Yeah, <laughs> which is uh, yeah. which is not right. No. <laughs> yeah, but it's good that it's something that it's not like it's it's a shitty thing, but it's not something that's really really bad. No, it's, like, it's a yeah, it's just you know, it's a someone cheated and got a, a dollar when they shouldn't have. Not the worst yes. thing. <laughs> no, no. The boy Jacob's son asked Larry for the dollar. Larry probes him about how he found the matzo ball after one look, and he said, "I didn't see you go to any other rooms. You just walked straight to the dresser and you found it." And uh, Jacob defends him. Larry accuses Jacob of telling him where the matzo ball is, and Larry says that Rick told him about the situation. And then Jacob replies, retorts, saying that he is a sex offender, and the table erupts. Sammy, Susie and Jeff's daughter, begins to choke on some food. And uh, Susie goes around saying, does anyone know CPR? And Rick offers to help with mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. (laughs) As they all look at him. He's like, I know mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Yeah. And they're all like, uh, <laughs> no. So, yeah, it's just, it's implied that Sammy got the food out somehow, probably not from Rick, probably someone else gave her the Heimlich maneuver or something and uh, yeah. and got it out. Yeah, we, we don't see it, but, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's like, yeah. I know mouth-to-mouth, and everyone's just like, oh, yuck. <laughs> no, yeah. thanks. No, thanks. I'm good, bro. Sam's yeah. like, I'd rather choke, thanks. <laughs> yeah, That's fine. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, fine. I'm, I'll go blue and die before. Yeah, I exactly. That. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> In the final scene, the next morning, Larry finds his newspaper out the front, and uh, he—it's revealed. I don't remember if it was the front cover or the back cover. It's revealed on one of the one of the covers, one of the ends, that uh, a doctor left a cedar in LA to perform emergency surgery to attach a hand, and it was implied to be Mark. And uh, I guess before we uh, re-rank the episode, oh Steve, uh, or rate it, I have a theory that Mark did actually steal the papers. You know why? 
What's that? So what happened was he moved, like we mentioned before, he moved back in with Marla around the same time Larry's papers got stolen. He knew he was getting a New York Times subscription, which probably back in the day would have been quite expensive. It would have been probably a really nice item to have. Mm. <laughs> it would have been, I don't know how much it was back then, but I'd imagine New York Times, a highly regarded, highly esteemed newspaper, not just in the US, but in the world, getting a subscription there would have been quite a bit, especially uh, transporting the newspaper from New York to LA would cost quite a bit too. So uh, mm. the fact you get a subscription, a physical subscription like that is uh, would be quite an honor I get the feeling that Mark had been doing it and I think because he had to leave late to do the emergency hand surgery and I feel like the surgery probably took hours probably all night it was probably one of those really serious uh. ones it could be like a workplace accident or a car crash or something would have happened where the victim's hand came off and I think that maybe the surgery probably went into the early morning or something and uh, on that particular day I think Mark was probably too tired to go pick it up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that all tracks, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, because we see Mark how guilty he is when uh, Larry mentions it. Yeah. I mean, even though it's never officially confirmed whether he did or did not steal the paper all the way through the episode, I thought he did. And I just thought that, you know, when we find out that he did actually have to go and perform surgery, I thought that that was just a convenient coincidence for it. That he, you know, he, he yeah. needed an out. He was like, oh my God, when this, you know, when um, Ethel wakes up, She's going to out me and it's going to be really embarrassing. And then just purely out of good luck for him, the, the page came through. So, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think the, the story in the paper absolves him of being the person from, um, I don't think it proves his innocence. I think he was stealing the paper yeah. anyway, and it was just a convenient coincidence. Yeah. yeah. And, and whether he was, you know, whether he was too tired or whether he thought, you know, if the surgery went all the way through the night, he and was he, was still, he, was, he was going to get outed, mm-hmm. or maybe he just thought, well, I've, I've basically been caught. Maybe I should just stop it anyway. Yeah, you know, we'll and stop for at least for a, li- a little while, and then yeah, go back. you know, just while the heat's, uh, you know, while the heat dies down, and then I'll go back to stealing it in a week or yeah. so. Yeah, because yeah, I think I it th- would have been really stupid. Yeah, I thought it would, I think it would have been really stupid if like Mark looked all guilty, and then suddenly with one headline or you know one article in the paper, he's innocent. It's like, nah, that, that's silly. Yeah, it's implied I, it, that he, he did it. He did it. Yeah, I think the surgery. You know, even though it's in, at the start. Uh, sorry, not at the start, but when the the page comes through, you you believe as a viewer that well, obviously he's just making it up because he doesn't want to get outed. Yeah, I just think it was a, a fortunate coincidence for him that it gave him yeah. an out uh, mm-hmm. before before um Ethel woke up. But yeah, to do probably still- like a six to eight hour surgery on a hand, maybe yeah. have to put it back on the arm, like attach yeah. it again or something. Something really, really, really uh, that would probably take a long time to do. Oh, <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah, would be a, bit, a and, small operation. Yeah, um, and I think I think he I think his in his mind he was like I need a I need a reason to leave, you know, and he was trying to cook up an excuse and then all of a sudden his pager did go off and he was like oh like i don't need to make something up yeah i've got a i've got a real i've I've got a real reason now what a relief what a coincidence and then yep Totally. I, I thought he was guilty all the way through. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I think you're right. I think that article didn't absolve him of it. I think, yeah, I, I, you're right. Like, he was trying to find a way out. He was shitting himself. He happened to get, luckily, there was a patient who needed emergency surgery. And uh, mm. yeah, that was his way out. And Ethel, you're right. Ethel was out uh, upstairs. And he was like, yep, I'm good. And then he either never stole the newspapers again, or maybe he cooled off for a couple of weeks and went back to do it. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think he realized I think he realized he'd pushed his luck far enough. Like he's not gonna he's gonna get caught if he continues, so I'll just yes. stop. Yep, that's what it is. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you agree. Yeah, totally. I, I never thought he was innocent all the way through. Even even when it wasn't officially like a lot of curb, you know, a lot of the time the the ending is open or, you know, there's always a question lingering of like did he or didn't he do, you know, whatever. But in this case I think it's pretty clear cut. Yep. And number one, number one, yeah, he didn't want to get, you know, he's already got heat on him. He doesn't want any more heat. So he didn't get the paper. And like I said, I think the the operation probably went into like the night, even the early morning. 
and he's yep. too wrecked. He's been doing surgery for like six hours or something. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck. I was probably, sleep. Yeah, he came, he came home at like 4.30 a.m. and he just, yeah, it was, he just crashed and didn't, yep. he either slept through his alarm or just thought, oh, it's not worth it. You yeah, know. that's right. Just for today. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I love when we cook up theories like this. It's awesome. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was the cedar. I enjoyed this episode, man. Probably one of my uh, favorites so far this season. Four out of five. Four Larrys out of five. Okay. What about you, Ben? I give it three and a half. So okay. I, cool. I think I said at the at the top of the episode that the first watch I thought it was just okay, but upon my second watch, I enjoyed it a lot more. Obviously, not as much as you, but I thought it was a pretty solid episode. I liked how they, I liked how they worked in uh, a registered sex offender, but they didn't make it too like too grimy and too like just gross you know it was all it was all implication and and (laughs) you know it was vague enough to not be like unsavory and just like oh it didn't i mean curb is a hbo show but not that kind of hbo no 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 i mean (laughs) sometimes you know like well a lot of the time curb you know deals in some pretty controversial topics and topics that can leave bad taste in people's mouth but it never i've never watched an episode of curb and felt gross at the end and gone Mm -hmm. oh i need a bath Mm -hmm. i need a shower and I think, I think you know, all throughout our podcast, we've mentioned that if they got too specific with Rick's crimes, I think that's the feeling you would get at the end. You'd be like, oh, it's it was too detailed. It's too there was too much information. The you fact feel that like they, you're watching like a, a yeah, reenactment of a true crime. yeah yeah it was just too it was too like, yeah. yeah and the fact that they were kind of general about it and you know it, it was left to your own interpretations to a certain extent. They got all the way up to the line and then they just skirted that line. They never yeah. crossed over it to like gross, like, oh, just too much. It was never yeah. too much. The, no, it wasn't. I, I found the funniest part to be when Larry was like a 60-year-old man, but he was like getting semi-groomed yeah. <laughs> by yeah. him with, yeah. things, with yeah. things that he enjoyed. It's like, yeah. oh my God. And, then, yeah. and, and, and the cherry on top was like the camera in the backyard. I'm like, oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like shaking my head. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he just takes videos of Larry. Yeah, yeah. Larry was the sort of innocent, naive person in this, and he got he got charmed into Rick's web. Yes, to go into his backyard with a camera. Yeah, he got charmed into Rick's golf net. Oh yes, and more. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, that was uh, that was it was very it was well written in in most parts. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah, so, solid episode for sure. Solid indeed. Yeah. Anyway, that was Curbcast. Thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate it. We are down to our last three episodes of season five, and season six will be coming up in the next few weeks, which is really really exciting. You can follow us on social media at Curbcast Pod. We also have an email address if you want to talk about the show. This episode or uh, you know, anything about <laughs> Seinfeld or anything else of that ilk TV whatever curbcastpod at gmail.com and uh, you can find us on any podcast service Apple Spotify Google you know whatever new ones have popped up I'm, I'm not sure <laughs> whatever uh, wherever you can do it and wherever you can rate or review us that would be fantastic a five-star review would uh, help with the algorithms and help us uh, go up on the charts for Curb Your Enthusiasm podcasts and uh, Stephen you can support us financially that's right we have a patreon patreon.com forward slash mishmash media after as little as a dollar us a month you can uh, support us in our fledgling podcast network mishmash media um, we don't have any bonus content for now but that is something we're working on and we will we will be bringing to you uh, at some point in the near future yes we have a, we've had lots of things in our in our personal lives lots of uh, changes and uh, and stuff that's happened so uh, it's been a bit difficult trying to get that stuff for you but uh, yeah we will we promise we will get you something eventually that's why we're only asking only if you want to for one US dollar a month just yeah you know, just to help keep the lights on at mishmash media yeah that's right we don't we think it'd be a bit uh, unfair to ask for more than that and uh, not give you anything in return exactly my name's Ivan I'm Stephen we'll see you next week for episode 8 the ski lift another episode that I enjoyed a lot as well you take care of yourselves and each other
Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of Mishmash Media, an independent podcast network. Follow us on social media at Mishmash Media AU or support us on Patreon. All those links are in the show notes.